from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is The Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. By now the holidays are over. Maybe you still have your Christmas tree up. Maybe you're the type that takes it down right away. But one thing's for sure. I imagine that elf that was once on your shelf is gone. We've heard Jeremy on the Piece of Business podcast, the award-winning Piece of Business podcast, discuss his problems with the elf on a shelf. I have a different, but perhaps even more tragic of a story that I meant to uh, regale my compatriots with on episode 300 of the DDT podcast. And we were so caught up in episode 300 and Jeremy's great questions and everything that I neglected to tell the story. So with your permission gentle listener. I shall now spin a tale for you that I assure you is 100% true. Names may have been changed to protect the innocent, but otherwise, this actually happened. Our tale begins in a classroom, and in classrooms all across Um, I can say this nation, I won't call it a great nation, that remains to be seen, but all across America, there are elves um, that visit classrooms, or other such characters, because in most schools, uh, we try to keep religion out of our schools, despite the fact that we pledge allegiance under God, uh, a phrase I no longer say when doing the pledge, and we can have a whole separate conversation as to the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, I do not have an elf in my classroom. I, in fact, have a nutcracker. About a decade ago, I was given a nutcracker as a holiday gift. Now, teachers get all manner of things uh, for holiday gifts. Uh, our favorite gifts are, of course, gift cards. Um, we get families, certain families, uh, either usually, let me, actually, let me actually change that, usually the families whom the parent, of whom the parents are also teachers give gift cards because they know the struggle. So I have here some Amazon gift cards um, that I was lucky enough to get. Usually I get Dunkin' gift cards, and as someone who doesn't drink coffee, uh, Dunkin' gift cards... Are kind of a waste. I actually sell them to a coworker at a discount uh, because she really likes coffee. So if I get $40 of Dunkin' cards, I'll sell them to her for $30 because I'd rather have the cash. Uh, but I got this nutcracker as a gift. So some families give gift cards. Um, my favorite gifts, besides the gift cards, are homemade cards, ornaments, things of that nature, things that uh, I know the kid made. Um, I get candy 
being a larger person, I tend to get candy. I once got a five-pound chocolate bar uh, that I sat out on uh, the porch I am pointing to right now and sort of carved into manageable pieces to put into the freezer. And we had uh, Hershey's chocolate for the winter. Um, So I get all manner of things. Uh, And then you get the re-gifts. Or the, we're going to the Christmas tree shop slash the dollar store slash dollar general slash five below slash insert the name of your uh, favorite cheap store here. And we just need to get them something. Now, it's nice that you think of me at all at the holidays. Honestly, it's nice to be thought of at all. Um, You know, I'll occasionally get baked goods, depending on my trust in the family. I either eat those baked goods, bring them home, or more than likely, I bring them to the teacher's lounge, pawn them off on others. Uh, But I got this nutcracker. And, you know, I'm not a holiday person. I've mentioned that before on the show, but it's a nice nutcracker, as nutcrackers go. Uh... And so I named the Nutcracker Bob. Bob the Nutcracker. And, you know, at first I was like, okay, I'll keep him in my classroom. I have no need to bring him home. I have no nuts to crack at home. Um, Nor do I think he will add anything to our holiday decor, as minimalist as it is. I'll keep him in my classroom. I'll have a little bit of decoration. It's not a holiday nutcracker. There's no religious iconography. Iconography? Iconography? That's not a word you pronounce very often. Um, It's something I can put out. And then I put him out the following year. And the children, who are creative geniuses one and all, they assume automatically that this is our elf on the shelf. And automatically I'm stunk. Because now my choices are either refuse to admit, like deny them, deny them their dreams and hopes and say, no, this is just a decoration. Or now I need to buy into a month's worth of having an elf on the shelf in the form of Bob the Nutcracker. And I don't have children of my own. So I thought, okay, hey, fun. He's not going to write on the mirror in toothpaste. He's not going to do any of that. But Bob will um, travel to different parts of the classroom at different times. And so the fun when they come into the room is, where's Bob? And for years that happened. Bob would appear in various places. Children came in always looking for Bob. And the best fun of all, children from previous years. So they're now older. I'm no longer their teacher. They would come in to see Bob. Now, some of them had come in anyways to say hi to me, but others who I didn't see. You know, the bond that we had did not last beyond the school year. Besides maybe a hi, how are you in the hallway, we didn't like, we didn't chat. They didn't come visit. Um, They would come in just to look for Bob. Wouldn't even say hi to me. Just, no, hey, Mr. Matthews, how you doing? Hey, Mr. M. Nope, just come in, hey, Bob, and they'd walk away. So for years, this happened. Um, and for years, Bob could go anywhere. He could be up on a shelf. He could be on the board. He could be in a chair. He could be anywhere. Um, because everyone knew 
seemingly this unspoken rule of elves on shelves. You don't touch the elf slash nutcracker. For if you do, they lose their magic. And as the years went on, I began to get bored of just having Bob do nothing. So Bob began to promise them um, a prize at the end of the year if they behaved themselves. Because any reason that a teacher can get to convince their children to be good is something they will take. We are not above bribery. Bribery, let's pronounce the word right. We are not above blackmail. We will do what is necessary to maintain order in the face of chaos. And so, um, at the end of the month of December, right before the holiday, Bob would deliver usually Munchkin Donuts from Dunkin' Donuts, maybe bought with one of the gift cards. And I would, I would, be, the Bo- I would be Bob's voice. I would be the Metatron, the voice of Bob. But then Bob got tech savvy, and Bob had his own email address because the kids wanted to write things for Bob. So Bob got a mailbox early on. Kids would write to Bob. But I can't write back for Bob in the same way that your parents can't sign the presents from Santa. Eventually, kids get smart and realize, why is the handwriting the same? Um, so Bob got his own email address as nutcrackers are wont to do, and Bob would write uh, to me at my email address um, to the children. But then the children got tech savvy and had access to computers, and they had email. Even at this early age, in order for them to have accounts that they could go on to their technologies, their Chromebooks, their iPads, they had to have an account, which meant they had to have an email address. And so for a year or two, Bob emailed with the children back and forth. And the children would say, you know, that some of them would be totally into it. I want this for Christmas. I want that for Christmas. Some would just profess their love to Bob. Others were like, I know you're the teacher. I know this is Mr. Matthews just emailing me. And so Bob, using his, his nutcracker magic, would send them emails while their teacher was not in front of a... Uh, piece of technology and the wonder and the awe in the children's eyes as they saw that Bob wasn't their teacher after all. Bob had learned how you can send emails ahead of time if you schedule them correctly. Um, COVID happens. Bob needs to change things a little bit. Bob wears a mask for a little while, which was fun. Um, and it's been now about a decade. Bob's starting to get some wear and tear. Bob's lost a foot. Bob was holding a Christmas tree in one hand that has now fallen off. Um, the handle that moves the actual nutcracker part has broken. Um, many of these things are, you know, basically just due to me shoving him back in the closet. Uh, and also some of the things, you know, Bob was getting more daring. Bob was trying to, uh, appear in more interesting places. He began duct taping himself um, to windows. He began um, swinging from ceilings. And with that comes increased risk. 
Which brings us to this year. Bob arrives. Bob's moving around. The kids love Bob. They're writing to Bob. We can no longer email. They have figured out. Um, our district has figured out that uh, young children probably shouldn't have access to email outside of the district. And I did not have the courage to have my tech people make Bob an email. They probably would have if I asked nicely, but it didn't happen. Um, so now they're just writing uh, handwritten letters, and Bob is responding via email, and I am once again the voice of Bob. My email is up on the board, and they can see when Bob emails. I'm not doing it. I'm standing there, and all of a sudden Bob emails and uh, is answering uh, the children. Last Friday, Bob is on a bookshelf on top of a pyramid of baskets, book baskets, inverted, stacked in a pyramid. Bob is standing on top. Very nice little display, if I say so myself. Very symmetrical. A child who is a bit of a, how do I phrase this? Um, he's a bit bold. He believes he is the best at everything. He is an only child, so I identify with this child. Um, I would not have dared be this uh, rule-breaking, but I get sort of part of where he's coming from. He says in the middle of the room, I'm going to touch Bob. And he looks at me as if to challenge my authority. Am I going to discipline this child? And I look at him and immediately in my head, I am thinking I am a chess player of the classroom. I am thinking moves ahead. And I go, I know where this is going. It will be great. So I just look at him and I shrug and I go back to, I'm putting books back on a bookshelf and arranging my classroom library. This child feels even more bold because his teacher uh, seems to not care. So he climbs onto the counter that the bookshelf is on. And once again, he stares at me. I can see him out of my periphery. I don't even look at the boy. Just in my head, playing the chess. Oh, this is going to be great. A lesson will be learned today. He reaches up, fingers outstretched. He's a tall one. One last look at me, waiting for me. He needs structure. He wants me to discipline because it means I care. And in this moment, I don't. And he places his finger upon one of Bob's feet. He only has one. He pulls back. Nothing happens. Teacher doesn't say anything. He is not disciplined. So now he touches him again. And now, of course, peer pressure, peer pressure. There are three children on the counter. It's safe-ish. And they're all touching Bob. I walk back to my desk. I sit down. I appear to be doing my morning tasks. And Bob is sending an email. Because the rule is you don't touch Bob. And now they done broke the rule. And forgive me for cursing but they done fucked around, now they gonna find out. So at this point, they've pulled Bob down off the bookshelf and they're holding him and they're passing him around and they're, they are treating him as if he is the Stanley Cup and they are parading around the room with Bob in the air. 
log into Bob's email, typing my goodbye letter because Bob's out of here. Coordinate with the other adult in the room. Bob's put back on a shelf. Now, some of the people have realized what's happening. Some of them have gone, oh, no. Something's going to happen. They, they can sense that there will be a consequence. And they're trying to stop it. They're not doing a great job of it. But I'm actually impressed in which of the children are being like, hey, put him back. There's no fighting. There's no tussling over Bob. But some of the kids are upset. I type out Bob's goodbye. I should have brought it up. I could have read it. But basically, um, clearly... This class is not the respectful, responsible, caring group that I thought they were. So now I have to say goodbye. I will find another classroom where the children perhaps will treat me a little better. Farewell. <clears throat> Schedule that to send in about 10 minutes. We start our day. We've done the Pledge of Allegiance. I say that we need to practice hallway safety, the principal is very big on hallway safety. And so I take the kids. We need to practice going down the stairs to the playground and coming back up because it's loud and there are other classrooms, which is totally true. We should practice. While we're gone, the other adult in the room puts Bob back in the closet and then catches up with us fast enough so that no one notices that she was gone. We come back to the room. Bob is gone. There are some very upset faces. There's confusion. They're looking all around the room. Where did he go? Someone asks me, hey, Mr. Matthews, where's Bob? And I said, I don't know. I'm not in charge of Bob. Maybe he went to the bathroom. We sit down. I start to talk about the day. I'm going over the schedule. We're doing our morning routine. My email's on the board and bing, there's Bob's email. So we all read it together. No one cried, and I have to admit there was a slight disappointment in the fact that no one cried. I got very upset. The, the other adult in the room got very upset. The children were clearly not happy. It was silent. My room is never silent. It was silent. And we talked about how disappointing it is that Bob couldn't trust us, and he had to go. And one of the kids, as I hoped would happen, the other chess, they made the chess move that I was expecting. Do you think we can get Bob back someday? And I said, well, I don't know. What would we think we'd have to do to get Bob back? We write him a card. We say we're sorry. We do this. We do that. We do this. Sure. We can do that later, but right now we have to start our day. So we go about our business. Now, we have to take mask breaks. We have to leave the school at various times so the kids can take their masks off. Not that they care. They've grown up with it. They, all they know, essentially, is COVID. So masks are just normal for them. I'm the one who needs the break. And we're outside. And the other adult looks at me and says, do you think Bob should go to library? Because that's where we're headed in about 20 minutes. And I smile because... I love the way this woman's mind works. And I go, yes, yes, he should. So she goes back inside, slips Bob into her coat, 
runs into one of my kids coming back from the bathroom. That could have been a disaster, but luckily she was smart enough to just keep things moving. She goes to the library. There's a class in there with my former students who know Bob. So she has to sneak around, hide Bob, and then go around and whisper to the librarian, who I'm friends with, uh, and say, basically, let her in on the plan. She thinks it's great. So now they go to library, and there's Bob on a shelf reading a book. So now they know that, I, that Bob left and has gone somewhere else. So they come back, and now they're insistent. We have to do something to get Bob back. So I say, okay, let's have lunch. Let's go to recess. And then after that, we will brainstorm a way to do it. So they go to lunch. They go to recess. I don't have to go out to recess that day. So what do I do? Put Bob in my pocket, walk to the main office, which we're going to walk by on the way back from recess. Now the principal's in on the plot. She puts him in a prime position right by the office window. So as we walk back, there's Bob. He's got a chocolate. So now Bob's everywhere. They're convinced this nutcracker is haunting them at this point and just loving life in our school. So they come back and we brainstorm. They make apology cards. They make, uh, you know, they're writing all of these things. I'm like, what are you, you going to do differently? What are you going to do better? And as they're doing that, bing, another email from Bob with a list of demands. I will come back if you promise never to touch me again. If you promise to do this, you promise to do that. Now I'm increasing their academic responsibility because I have them read for 10 minutes. Bob now wants them to read for 50. They agree. They put all of Bob's cards in his mailbox. Okay. They're like, well, where is he? I don't know. Doesn't mean he's going to come back right now. Maybe he'll come back Monday. He obviously is having a good time. He's reading books. He's eating chocolate. Why would he come back? They go to art. Fridays, they get library and art. They're very lucky. They go to art class. Bob is taken from the office. And now I'm thinking, all right, now let's get silly with this. So I take some duct tape. Raise up one of my curtains, duct tape Bob to the window, put the curtain back down. He's now hidden. All right. When he, when the children come back, the curtains will be down. We'll open the curtains to let some natural light in, which is something I like to do anyways. We'll start our math lesson. And lo and behold, as we pull up the curtains, Bob has returned Life will be great. Night has turned into day. There'll be a party. I feel like I've accomplished what I set out to accomplish. We've played the game of chess. Checkmate. I win. Kids come in from art. They look around for Bob. He's still not back yet. Some of them are upset. Some of them are like, he'll be back. Like, you know, they had looked for him all throughout the hallway, hadn't seen him. They're now guessing where he is. He went to gym. He's down here. He's in this classroom. He's in this classroom. Maybe we'll see him on the bus. We come in, we sit down, we pull up the shades, they see Bob, celebration, joyous things, happy times. 
Now I look. The duct tape has not held Bob up enough. I didn't mention before that I have three rolls of duct tape in my classroom, as any good teacher should. One from the school, brand name, and two rolls that I bought at the Dollar Tree. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm looking at Bob and seeing that the duct tape is beginning to not work as well, oh, I used Dollar Tree duct tape. That could be a problem. But now what can I do? Bob has made it very, very clear that we can't touch him. If I grab him and pull him off the window, I am a hypocrite. Now, I could make up a rule. Teachers have, you know, this. I could have put my gloves on. There's many things that I could have and, as the story progresses, should have done. But I'm like, you know what? He'll be fine. It's, it'll hold up. It's duct tape. He'll be okay for now. So we play a game. We're celebrating. He's back. They had done well in art, which isn't always the case. Um, let's play a game. And it's, a, it's this activity where everyone logs onto their Chromebook. I put a game up on the board. They get to log in. They get to create a name. And we play a game against each other. Very fun. Pop, most popular thing we do in class. Now, there is another adult who occasionally works in my building and who is homesick. And she loves this game almost more than the children do. And so I send her a message and say, do you want to join us? I'll send you the code. You can play. But the rule is, if you join us, you have to be the name of Bob. So she thinks it's a great idea. We start playing the game. I'm in the game with my name. It says Mr. Matthews. They know it's me. And all of a sudden, Bob joins the game. And they're like, all right, who's Bob? Who's being funny? Who's Bob? We go around the room and everyone says what their nickname is and none of them are Bob. I have blown their minds. Because now Bob is playing. Like you, If you don't have the code, you can't join the game. And as far as these young children know, the only people who have the code are sitting in this room. Bob is playing the game. So we play the game. Five, six, seven minutes doesn't take long. Bob comes in second. There's much rejoicing and clapping for Bob. We are about to move on when I hear, BAM! The duct tape didn't hold anymore. And Bob fell off the window, hitting the window sill and disappearing behind some sterilite drawers. All the kids jump up to go look on Bob, and I have to use my loud D.C. Matthews voice to be like, sit down, sit down. It's okay. But in my head, I go, there's no way he survived that. He was up fairly high. I was up on my toes, duct taping him to the window. He fell down. He hit the windowsill and then hit the ground. Bob's going to be dead. And so I tell the children to go do something. There's another adult in my room, luckily. She gets their attention. She's getting them to move on. They're still looking over their shoulder. I walk back and I peek behind the Sterilite shelves. And I see Bob. 
And then nine or ten inches to the left, I see Bob's head. Bob has been decapitated by his fall from the window. Had this happened and the children saw it, I would have many young children in therapy right now because they had witnessed an accident that has resulted in the decapitation of their beloved magical nutcracker. And I know I have minutes before one of my curious little cherubs is going to come looking to see what happened. So I go get some paper towels. And I go, I'm going to just get Bob, put him in the hospital. There's one of my kids has built with cardboard. You know, it, it was a firehouse, but somebody else had written hospital on it, which was funny because they didn't write the S, so it was hospital. So I wrap the body in paper towels. I leave the head. I wrap the body in paper towels, making sure to cover his head because all that's left is the lower jaw, the part that's controlled by the crank. The rest of it's on the floor. I wrap him up. The kids now know oh, he's touching him with paper towels. That way it keeps the magic. And I go put him in the hospital. And I say, he'll be fine. Let's let him just rest. That was a big fall. Let's practice another safety drill. Let's, let's practice. We really got to make sure we're quiet in the hallway. This time I need you to go all the way to the bus doors to prove to me that you can be quiet because there's been reports. All of this, again, is true of students running to buses and it's not safe. So the other adult lines him up. She look, gives me a look. Different adult from the morning. She gives me a look. I kind of grimace. She knows <laughs> that something's wrong. She takes the kids out for a walk. I remove the Sterilite drawers. I see that not only is poor Bob's head on the ground, but now also his other foot has fallen off. I pick these things up and I put them in my pockets. Because again, my curious children will go to the hospital and realize he doesn't have a head. Um, so I move the body too. So now I have a nutcracker head in one pocket, a foot in the other pocket, a decapitated, no-footed nutcracker in my arms wrapped in paper towels. I walk down the hall, open up our supply closet, dump the evidence. Actually, no. To be fair, I kept the head because I knew this was a funny enough story that I went down to the librarian and to the principal to explain the sad fate of Bob, revealing as I pull out his head from my pocket. They come back from the safety walk, the paper towel. I put more paper towel in the hospital so that it looks like Bob is still in there. And we go through the rest of our day. Children are worried about Bob. They're calling to him as they leave for the day, saying, hope you feel better, hope you feel better. Um, and they're gone. I have made it through the day without traumatizing these children. But now I have to figure out what in the world I'm going to do. So I go back to the supply closet. I take Bob out. And I'm looking at him. I'm standing in a closet that is full of stuff, looking at Bob and where the, the neck, <laughs> where the injury happened. I pull out his head, and I'm looking at it, and it is shattered. It didn't come off in one piece. It is like I could injure someone if I shivved them with this nutcracker head. There's lots of sharp-ish uh, wood. I can't salvage this. 
I'm not going to go to my dad's house, go to the champ's basement, get a sander, sand it down, hot glue it. I'm not going to do it. Bob's dead. He did not survive this traumatic, traumatic day. So I open the door. Now, there are children of other teachers who are in our building after hours. I usually teach most of them. So I understand. I still have to be kind of secretive about this because there are kids who will know Bob if they see him in pieces going down the hallway. So I have to, again, stuff him into my sweatshirt, essentially. I go across the hall to the special ed room, and I put him in the trash can and then cover him with all the paper towels. Now, at this point, I need to get out of this building. It has been a traumatic day. The children were a little traumatized. Bob was certainly traumatized. And I just need to be anywhere else. So I get my things. I send one last text as I'm walking out the door to the special education teacher. And it simply reads, there's a decapitated nutcracker in your trash can. I'll explain later. So here is the epilogue to this whole story. Um, on Monday morning, the kids arrive. Bob is not there. There is, however, an email from Bob. Essentially reads, I've had a traumatic day. Friday was a bad day. I've been doing this for 10 years. I'm too old for this shit. I'm paraphrasing, of course. I need to retire. Um, but I've told my cousin about you. And he's on a plane to come pay you a visit. I hope you treat him nicely and with respect because he's very nervous to meet you. And on Tuesday morning, hiding behind a plant on the highest bookshelf I have was the newest addition to our classroom a small nutcracker named Reginald. Reginald doesn't belong to me. He belongs to another one of the adults in my classroom, so I am sure she's going to want him back along with her plant. Um, and I have to give some serious thought to whether I'm doing anything like this again next year. Uh, I suppose this story needs a moral all good tales need a lesson at the end. Um, and so I think the lesson that can be said today is uh, don't start nothing if you're not willing to finish it. Or perhaps the moral of the story is buy the really good duct tape. <laughs>